If you have a Bible with you this evening, please turn to the book of Mark. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2. And uh, while you're turning there, I uh, just want to, I want to take a moment to uh, uh, address what we've all seen going on in different places around the country uh, as a result of what happened to, to George Floyd uh, in, in Minneapolis this week. And uh, it's, it's a big deal. What kind of times are we living in, y'all? Are we, what kind of days are we living in where, where the, the world can be swept by a pandemic virus and then these murder hornets, which I haven't seen yet and I hope I never do, uh, but, then, but then what's happening with the, the violence in Minnesota that's sparking uh, public outcry across the country? How do we respond as Christians? How are we supposed to respond to this? Now, if you're visiting Jackson Hole, you know what uh, an incredible, idyllic place this is. I don't know where uh, all of you are coming from. Odds are you're coming from a bigger city than, than here in Jackson. Here in Jackson, we're, we're pretty distant. We're pretty removed from a lot of the things that we read about in the news. Well, I want to read a quote to you from Martin Luther King, and he says this, Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding darkness in a night already devoid of stars. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The world is looking for, in a dark night of what's going on in the world around us, the world is looking for stars. The world is looking for people who have answers. The world is looking for people who have love. The world is looking for people who will not return violence for violence, but instead, like the Bible says, turn the other cheek. But do not turn a blind eye to what all has gone on. And so I want to encourage you, without, without getting weird on Facebook, because I know a tendency is to get weird on Facebook, but in the circles that you have, the people that you live with, the people that you work with, uh, now is the time. Now is the time for you to be a person of faith. Now is the time for you to be a person of hope and of truth and of light. And when I look out here and I see so many familiar faces and some new faces, which I'm excited about, faces that I've known for, for months, years, even decades for some of you, I know that there is a light inside of each one of you. And that light shines bright. Whenever a, a jeweler brings out a, a, a diamond at a jewelry store, what does he always lay on top of the glass case? He lays a black piece of velvet, velvet fabric. And then on that, he places the diamond. Why black velvet? Because of the contrast. So that you can see the brilliance of the diamond that is laid on that black velvet. Guys, yes. These are some days of, of questions. These are days of uncertainty. And it can seem like there is a black velvet cloth that's kind of laid over our society right now. But it's a tremendous opportunity for each and every one of us to shine bright with the light of Jesus Christ, who he is, how he lived his life, and how he would want us to take a stand in these days. I want to take just a moment and pray, and then we're going to get into Mark chapter 2. Lord Jesus, my heart breaks 
for the Floyd family and what was, what was done to him, what was perpetrated. I ask, Lord, that, that you would, by your amazing, incredible grace, that you would give that family peace, you would give that family wisdom. You have given that family a tremendous platform. You didn't give it to him as a result of what happened, but as a result of what happened, you have given that family an incredible platform. God, we pray that, that this would be an opportunity for all of us to recognize that the line between good and evil does not run down color, race, or creed. It does not run down uh, occupation. It does not run down any kind of geographic barrier. The line between good and evil runs down the middle of every human heart. And all of us are being confronted with the possibility of evil in these days. Lord, help us to, to turn to you. Help us to seek your face. Help us to drop to our knees and cry out for you, Lord. Because we need you and the power of your Holy Spirit more than we have in days that any of us can remember. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So I want to read a couple of verses to you from Mark chapter 2. And we're going to get into this together. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read verses, uh, I'm going to start in verse 18. And it says this, Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they'll fast. Besides, who would patch an old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. Then he says this, new wine calls for new wineskins. Now, if you've heard me preach out of the book of, of anywhere in the book of Mark before, you know that the book of Mark is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Number one, because it's kind of short and right to the point. I need something simple so that I can understand it. Mark does that. There's a lot of action in the book of Mark. You'll hear that word immediately or suddenly, or you'll hear that word then and then. So it's this book of action. It's like an action movie unfolding moment by moment as Jesus is, comes to the, the penultimate experience in the book of Mark, which is the, the cross, the grave, and the resurrection of Jesus. But what I like about Mark is the way that the book of Mark is structured is that within each chapter of the book of Mark, you've got a beginning, middle, and end. And each of those three components acts like they're like different puzzle pieces. And when you look at each of the puzzle pieces uh, and each moment that happens in each chapter of Mark, I mean, it, it's great and wonderful. But the author of Mark, the way that it's structured is designed so that these three different components act like puzzle pieces. And when you get these three puzzle pieces together, it unlocks a, a, a more beautiful and deeper picture. This, uh, during the, the quarantine, um, I know that you probably think your pastor was praying and fasting and just digging into the book of Revelation to like pull out some incredible truths. But I mean, I was. But I was also, uh, Lisa and I were also watching uh, a couple of seasons of Survivor. And so uh, I always think that I would be good at, at the physical challenge 
And Lissa, she's like, oh, I got these puzzles down. And so, so whenever I see uh, each chapter in Mark, I think of like one of those puzzles on Survivor. And so what I want to do is, is show you these different pieces of the puzzle tonight and how they all fit together, okay? And so uh, let's see, I need, I need a couple of, of helpers. Um, Skylar, would you be one of my helpers? So you come on up here, okay? And then uh, Hux, you can be another helper. Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay, here we go. So, I'm going to put you, right? Come here. Do, 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 do. Stand right here, face out there. Wait, you're not going to get a shot. You don't have to say anything. Oh, don't make me preach. Don't make me preach. Okay, you hold this like this. Yep, just like that. You stand right there. Hey, settle down. Okay, now you come over here. You come over here. Okay, now. Okay. Okay, you hold this here. Two hands. Okay, now here's what happens in the very... Now hold this up. Here's what happens in the very beginning of Mark chapter 2. There was a, a, a paralytic man that was, that was lowered down through a roof. Remember, they took the roof off and they lowered him right down. So this is the first thing that happens in Mark chapter 2. Okay? This is the last thing that happens in Mark chapter 2. Jesus tells a story about King David when he goes into the temple and he grabs a big hunk off of the, the consecrated bread that was in the temple. Right? Are you with me so far? The beginning and the end. Okay, now, now what happened in the middle? All right, Oliver, let's just, let's just get you up here too. Hi. Yeah, I know, but you have a job right now. Your job is to, no, 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 no. Your job is to stand. Look, okay, now I just need you to stand right there where I put you. It's not a trap door. Okay, now you stand right here. Okay, hey, come here. There you go, face out this way. Okay, I could get a different volunteer. Should I get a different volunteer? I need somebody to be brave and stand right there so they can read that. What happens in the middle? Okay. In the middle of Luke chapter 2, we have the, the, the story of the patch and the garments. Jesus tells two stories about a patch and a garment right here in the middle. Now, the, the question is, what in the world does this first story and this third story have to do with this story. Because if you look at each one of these things, it would appear as though they're kind of disjointed. But here's what's awesome about the, the author of the book of Mark, which is this guy named Mark, is that he weaves these things together. And when you look at the, what happens in the beginning, what happens in the end, they are connected by and unlocked by the, the middle, kind of like the juicy middle, like one of those cream-filled donuts that you've got some nice chocolate frosting on either side, but it's the cream filling in the middle that makes the whole donut worth it. And so what we're going to be looking at tonight is the gooey cream-filled middle. Yeah? All right. Now let's give these guys a hand. Okay. Hey, give me these. Here, I'll give you these lists because they're just gonna they're just gonna blow out of the way here. So we're gonna look at at what happens here, kind of this this gooey cream filled middle, and and the, here's what Jesus is saying. 
when he talks about the patch and the wineskin. He says, I came, Jesus is talking, he says, I came to remove and clear away, expose and do away with all of the religious clutter that has developed around worshiping the God of the Bible. He tells the first story, the first story is told, and here's what happens. He says, pick up your mat and walk, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, these were these really religious dudes, they said, only God can forgive sin. And Jesus was like, well, which is easier for me to say that your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and walk so that you know I am who I say I am, get up, take your mat and walk. And the guy, kapling, popped up and, and he went and the religious leaders were like, oh, what, you can't do that, oh, he's so mad. And then at the end of Mark chapter two, it says that one day Jesus and his disciples were, were walking along and it would be the equivalent here, like when we get into like raspberry season where you just walk along the trail, maybe you're going up to Lee Lake or String Lake, something like that. And uh, you can pick these raspberries and they're so tasty. And these Pharisees are always watching these religious people always watching. Maybe, I don't know what kind of context you're coming from, but maybe you're coming from the kind of context with the only exposure that you've had to church is it feels like somebody's watching you all the time, just waiting for you to mess up. And as soon as you mess up, ah, they're right there to just zing you and get you. So Jesus is walking along and his disciples are picking these heads of grain and rolling off, separating the wheat from the chaff and just putting handfuls of grain in their mouth, and the Pharisees are like, yeah, you can't do that, you can't do that. And Jesus has to tell these Pharisees, guys, don't you remember when David went into the temple and he ate some of the consecrated bread and it was on the Sabbath? Because the Pharisees were all bent out of shape that, that these disciples were doing something called farming or harvesting on the Sabbath, and you weren't supposed to do that. In fact, there, was a lot of, there were a lot of laws that the Pharisees had created in order to try to keep people in line. And I don't know if you're very familiar with this, but there's a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 22. And it says, uh, according to the Brian Hunter paraphrase, if you build a new house, you need to build a fence around the roof so that nobody falls off the roof and then you're responsible for it. And the, the, the Pharisees, these religious, the leading religious people, they said that there needed to be fences built around the Torah so that nobody accidentally got too close and broke one of the Torah laws. Are, are you with me? And so they're called fence laws. I don't know if you've ever heard of these. Fence laws. And the idea with these fence laws is, let's say that, that this line right here separating the grass from the concrete, if, I, if I'm on this side, I haven't broken the law. Haven't broken the law, haven't broken the law, haven't broken the law, but the moment, beep, the moment I step across here, I've broken the law. So the idea is, these, 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 this good intention of these Pharisees were, we're going to set up a fence here, we're going to set up a fence here, and we're going to set up a fence here. And if you obey these things that were totally man-made, then you never would get to the point where you actually break one of God's law. That sounds like a good idea, Right? Right. Like, I mean, it would keep me from, if I had to go through this and I had to go through this, it would, it, it would keep me. In fact, uh, according to Orthodox Judaism, the, these fence laws got so man-made and so ridiculous that, that in, in order to keep somebody from breaking one of the, the dietary laws, they set up these fence laws 
that, that would say, uh, at a meal, you cannot drink milk after you've eaten meat for anywhere from three to six hours. So if you've had meat, you can't drink any milk for three to six hours. Otherwise, you're in danger of like getting close to breaking some biblical law. And I can't even tell you what biblical law that would be. These fence laws have just been so crazy. But here's, but here's what, what, what people have done. Various rabbis have said, ah, 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 okay, there's a, there's a way around it so you can have milk uh, with your meal. If you simply remove the tablecloth, it's not as though you're having dinner and it doesn't count as being in the same meal. And so if you eat meat, you can drink milk, but you first have to take off the tablecloth. Does that sound a little odd to anybody? But here's the thing, guys, is that... that Maybe you shake your head and be like, oh, goodness, those, those, those silly Orthodox Jewish people and all their little rules. But are we really any different with the religious rules and religious things that, that we set up that might be well-intentioned but actually remove us further and further and further from relationship, authentic relationship with the God of the Bible? I mean, think about all of the, the religious things that, that people have today. For example, it's not church if we don't meet in a building. Or it's not church uh, if I don't get my little name tag. Or uh, I, I can't worship God unless I say this prayer that's been written out. Church is always on Sunday. If it's not on Sunday, it's not church. And I know that, at least for me, this, this, this whole virus thing has just kind of crumpled up all of these little fence laws that I've built in my own heart and just completely, completely done away with them. When you look at Mark chapter 2, the whole point of Mark chapter 2 is that Jesus, the man from Nazareth, as a person, came to tear down all of those fences, to remove the barrier of religious obligation and all this stuff like, well, you're supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do this, and, and God's just this big judge up in the sky waiting to like zap you because he knows what you've done. What's funny is like, you know what you've done too. And I usually, I usually feel like, like you're a much better person at being hard on yourself than you don't need a, a church or a preacher or some religious figure to point their, wag their finger at you. You know, you know how you've messed up. You know how you've blown it. We don't need all of these fences to like, well, I'm a good person if I can just stay back here and I just stay back here. The whole point of Mark chapter 2 was for Jesus to say, enough of all of this religious stuff. It's just me. It's just me. If you just come to me, forget about all this other religious stuff. If you just come to me, I've got healing for you. I've got forgiveness for you. I've got wholeness for you. I've got deliverance for you. I've got peace for you. I've got wisdom for you. I've got answers for you. I've got salvation for you. I've got purpose and meaning for your life. Not just what you make of it, but something that will add substance and value to your life. And then he goes right in the middle, that key piece of the puzzle. Remember, y'all? I, I said that he gave two stories. One was sewing a new patch of fabric on an old garment with tears. 
I had a pair of uh, Carhartts when I was working construction, and uh, those things were like my favorite pants of, of all time. And I, I wore out the knees, I wore out the back pockets, and Lisa would say, hey, do you want me to get you a new pair? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, these Carhartts are just getting broken in. And you know, if you've ever had those double-fronted Carhartts, you know, they walk around like you're wearing two-by-fours for about the first year and a half. Then... Once they get broken in, then, oh man, they, like they're good for like 15 more years. Now every, I can tell who has bought their first pair of Carhartt pants because they're, they're about this short. When you buy that first pair of Carhartts and you're like, man, I got to wash these things, they just shrink up. You know the pros get them like, like three inches longer than they actually need because they're going to shrink. But Lisa would ask, do you want me to patch these up? And I was like, no, no, no. They're just like, they're finally getting worn in and they could, they, could, they could take the mileage. The second thing that Jesus said is he talks about wine and wine skins. And he says this. He says, besides, uh, and no one puts new wine into old wine skins. For the wine would burst the wine skins and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Jesus has come to, to clear the clutter of these different fence laws and, and religious obligations that, that we impose upon ourselves and upon the church. And he also says, I don't want you to hold on to the old at the expense of the new. Let me say that again. Jesus is telling us, I don't want you to hold on to the old, these old religious ways, these old ways that you thought uh, you needed to behave when it comes to, to earning right standing with God. I don't want you to hold on to these old things at the expense of missing something new. And that's exactly what, what Jesus was telling us in, in, these, in these two little passages right here. And, and I just want to share with you tonight that, that I don't know about what you've been doing with your time. You obviously know I've been watching a good bit of Survivor. But I've also been praying about like, Lord, what are you doing during this season? This is now 12 weeks that tribe hasn't been able to meet traditionally. Last week was the very first time that we were able to, to gather like this in, in a corporate service we're going to be gathering just like this every Sunday at 5.34 for the next couple of weeks until June 21st. And then we're going to let you know what we're going to be doing after June 21st. But last week was the very first time that we were able to have an outdoor service and have it not be uh, a, like a, some sort of special event. For 11 weeks now, we've been in our own homes. We've been... We've been quarantining with our family or quarantining with the roommates in our house. And it's been, a, it's been a very special time in the sense that I believe really strongly that God is calling us to reevaluate the wineskins that we have put our relationship with the Lord in. Did you know that every single one of us, within the sound of my voice, have one type of wineskin or, or, or another? Maybe your wineskin is like, I don't even know what to put in that. It's like, like, like because you, you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe your wineskin is full of, of uh, wonderful, sweet traditions. I'm not here to, to rip on traditions. But Jesus would tell us, don't hold on to those traditions at the expense of missing 
what I'm doing now. For 11 weeks, we've had the opportunity to evaluate our life. For 11 weeks, we've had the opportunity, time that we would have spent watching sports games or going to Disneyland, like it's all been closed, going to Vegas, it's all shut down. Maybe some of you have made the most of that time. But Jesus is asking us to, to really consider the, the wineskins that, that we've had. So this is my wineskin, and uh, it, it's full of like Kool-Aid or whatever. But we all have a wineskin, and in that wineskin are, are, are different traditions and things that we hold on to. And here's what, here's what God is saying. If you take the new wine of what I'm doing, the Spirit of God would say to you, and you try to put it into these old wineskins, according to the story that Jesus just read, what would happen? He says that the, that the new wine would go into these old wineskins, and the wineskin would, would burst, and then you'd lose the wine, and the wineskin would be ruined. Jesus says, you've got to have new wineskin for the new wine that I'm going to be pouring out. Now, let me tell you something as your pastor. These last 11 weeks have been an opportunity for us to fashion and develop a new wineskin because I'm telling you, new wine is coming. What did that old wineskin look like? Maybe it was the structure. Maybe it was the format. Guys, that has been wiped off the map, at least for the foreseeable future. We can't even, we could meet indoors, but there's not a place big enough for all of us to have social distance and, and fit all of us in. The format, the structure that we've been used to for as long as any of us can remember of going to church, that's, that's over for the foreseeable future, if not for a long, long time. When we try to take the new wine of what, of what Jesus wants to do in our hearts and in our lives and on planet Earth, and we try to squeeze it into old wineskins, guys, we lose out twice. Not only does our, our old way of, of doing it all of a sudden not fit, but the new wine that he wants to pour into our lives and into our hearts will, will spill out on the ground and be of no use and of no value. So what does the new wineskin look like? The new wineskin right now looks exactly like this. When you leave today, will you be able to check the box and say, I, I went to church? Or is that just not, does that just not fit? The new wineskin looks like pressing into authentic relationship with Jesus. When we you could just be religious and wear that mask of personality and, and, and come in and say hi and how you doing? How you doing, brother? Good, brother. How you doing, brother? Good, brother. Good to see you, brother. You have a good weekend on the lake, brother? Sorry, I don't know why I'm using a southern accent. <clears throat> Please don't hold offense to that. Sorry, brother. What is that, what does that old wineskin look like? It looks like we could get away with a lot of fake stuff. What does the new wineskin look like? Well, the new wineskin looks partly like this. We're gonna have to adapt. We're going to have to be flexible. 
We're going to have to, instead of waiting for, for the pastor to, to preach some good message to you, like live and in person, you get to shake his hand after the service. Like th th that days, those days have been gone for the last 11 weeks. It's time for, for, for us to step up to maturity. Maybe somebody is, is in here and you don't know much about this God thing. You don't know much about this church thing. But you've probably known people who've gone to church you probably known people who said that they were a Christian, and when you look at their life, it's probably, maybe doesn't look that much different from yours. Maybe you see hypocrisy. Though the days of religious Christianity are coming to its death, and what will take its place is real, authentic, power-filled Christianity. So, so if you're here and you're just checking out all this God stuff, and, and you've... you've all you know of a relationship with the Lord is maybe what you've seen in a person and they haven't been perfect. Well, they haven't been perfect because they're not perfect. But I'll tell you who is. Jesus is perfect. And when you put your eyes on him instead of any kind of religious tradition, I promise you that he has answers for you. And he has hope for you. And he has healing for you. He has a plan for you. What, does, what do these new wineskins look like? Well, I'll tell you one of the ways that, that they look, not only just like this, but, but also uh, yesterday I was spending some time with a pastor in Minnesota. He, he lives in Minneapolis. And we were talking about, well, how are you guys meeting? Are you doing a live stream? How's that going? And he said, we have been doing a live stream. We've been meeting in people's homes um, for, for, to watch church. But since all this violence has broken out, he goes, my church has done something incredible and all on their own. They'll pray, they'll gather in different homes and they'll pray at night for peace and safety. And they'll, they, they, they pray all night. And then in the morning, they get up and they go out into the streets with, with brooms and trash bags and trash cans and, and they scrub uh, graffiti off of walls. They clean up trash and garbage in their neighborhood. They look for people that, that have been beaten up and, and cast aside, and they love on those people. They get medical care for people that are out. Um, they, they help families that have uh, lost either businesses or like cars on the street, help them get their insurance stuff lined up. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Right in the midst of, of violence and uncertainty and, 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 and chaos, that's where the church is supposed to be, not cloistered away in some building, but out on the streets, engaging with people. What does the new wine look like? It's a great question that I have to tell you about next week when you come. Let's take communion together this evening. And as we come to the, to the table of communion, I just want to invite you to examine the wineskin that you have constructed for the wine of the relationship that you thought Jesus wanted you to have. Does that make sense? This idea of, of just a, a religious, church-going relationship with him. He longs for so much more. In fact, when you read all of Mark chapter 2, that's what he's trying to get at, y'all. He's trying to get it. You've got you to gotta set aside all of those religious man-made traditions. And now Jesus is saying, I am here 
And my whole purpose for me being here is for you to press into the authentic and to the real. People who are looking to just check a box by attending a church service, I mean, it's hard to do right here. You, You can't. Your wineskin is just disintegrating right in front of you. But the invitation today is for you to grab a hold of a new wine skin. Because as I mentioned before, Jesus is about to do something amazing around planet Earth that looks like new wine being poured out. The question is, will your wineskin, the wineskin of your life and your expectations of what you think church is, what you think a relationship with Jesus is, it's either going to be reformed as a new wineskin or as an old wineskin when Jesus begins to, to, let me just give you one example. His leadership is going to be increasingly offensive in the days to come. What? Jesus offensive? Oh, yeah, man. And here's how Jesus will offend you. He's going to challenge what you think you know of him. He's going to he's going to challenge how you engage with him. Remember last week I talked about different places where we can have an encounter with God in the sabotage and in the squeezing. Well, I don't want my life to be squeezed. Well, that's where the opportunity for encounter is. That's where his leadership has the potential to be offensive to you if you're just holding on to this old wineskin. Does that make sense? Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what does this new wine look like? What is God doing on planet Earth right now in these days and especially in the days to come? You need to know, and we can know from his word. And so today, as we come to the table of communion, uh, I I just want to invite you to consider the wineskin that you've constructed of what you think containing a relationship with Jesus looks like. And I want to challenge you to invite the Holy Spirit to ask him to evaluate your wineskin. The wineskin of your heart. Can it handle what he's doing in in the earth in these days? I heard that, amen. (laughs) So the Bible records that on the night that Jesus was crucified, He met with his disciples in an upper room where they were celebrating the Passover meal. What's awesome about celebrating communion today is this is 50 days after Passover, which is known in the the church as, as Pentecost. And Pentecost is celebrated in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is given to the church and continues to be active in the church. And so today as we celebrate communion, not only are we evaluating the wineskin of our hearts, but we're also thankful, Holy Spirit, that that you were given to man on Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. The Bible records that Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Then the Bible records that after the meal, Jesus took another cup of wine. This is the marriage cup. Then he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and drink. This is my blood, which has been poured out for you. And it ratifies or confirms a new covenant 
between my life's blood and God the Father. If you look throughout the Bible, all covenants were confirmed or ratified by the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood has to do with the, the weight and the seriousness of the covenant. And when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, not only was it for the forgiveness of our sin, not just him saying, oh, Lord, forgive them of their sin, but blood actually had to be shed. That's why Le the book of Leviticus makes a, such a big deal out of the book, the, the, this idea of concept of blood. In Leviticus, the, book, the Bible says that for the life of any living thing is in the blood. And then he goes on to say, don't drink the blood. Besides, that's gross, y'all. But Jesus tells us, when we, when we come to this table of communion, that symbolically, when we partake of the cup and we partake of the bread, we are partaking of his body and his blood. That signifies that we remember that we are people of the covenant as well, the new covenant. This is the cup of salvation. This is the cup of redemption. This is the cup of eternal life. This is the cup of the Lord. Then he said, I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And how great is it that, that today, together, we can celebrate communion together. For I see so many faces that I've only seen by screen for weeks and weeks. And, and here we are being able to celebrate communion together again. Father, I ask that you would perform a miracle right here. That you would take these simple common elements and you would transform them into a sacrament, which is simply a means of grace where we can touch you by faith. So that, so that as we partake in the mystery of this meal, that you would meet us here. And Father, my prayer is for every single person that is receiving communion tonight, that you would touch their hearts in a special way. That, Holy Spirit, you would be gentle, you would be clear, and you would examine the wineskin of, of a relationship that we've created that we try to put you in. And I can't say this prayer for everybody, but I can certainly say this prayer for me. Lord, I'm so ready for a brand new wineskin because I cannot wait for the new wine of your spirit that's going to be poured out globally on planet Earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So the way that we're partaking of communion tonight is through these individual servings. And with your family, if you want to huddle up, if you want to pray, you, you guys can pray. Just huddle up, have a little moment together. And then you can take the bread and then you can take the cup. And uh, I pray that the Lord would bless you this evening as you're partaking of communion.
just really quick uh, while we were celebrating communion together I feel like the Lord put a picture on my heart uh, he reminded me of, of something that happened many years ago uh, my wife Lissa and I uh, we were leading a trip uh, to Egypt and we were in Cairo for a number of days and then we rode the train up to Alex and while we were in Alexandria we got to go down to the beach one day and it was a beautiful beach, except it was filled with like trash and garbage and stuff. And uh, I went out into the water first because it looked like the waves were breaking really weird. And about six inches off of where the, the waves were breaking, the, water, the, the beach dropped off. So it got really deep, really fast. But there was this really crazy rip current. That, that if you got in up to your knees, it was almost strong enough to just rip you off of your feet and, and take you sideways down the beach. And I feel like in this moment, the Lord is showing me a picture of that, that maybe there's somebody here and in their heart, they can sense that the presence of God is in this place. Not that you can... can acknowledge it with your thinker but there's something happening down in your knower that like oh something's going on here in my oh well that's just the presence of the Holy Spirit drawing close to you tonight and the picture that I saw is is that that you've put your foot out into the water a little bit but you can feel it pulling you the rip current of the Mediterranean right there in, in Alexandria was pretty dangerous. It would have taken us for a ride had we got out into the water very deep. But let me tell you something. When you feel that pull as you just touch with your, your, little, your little toe into the stream of the river of God, I understand that there's a, pull, there's a powerful pull there. And I understand that you might not know what's going on in your heart right now. But can I tell you, being in the current is the safest possible place for your entire life. I know that to, to set foot, even just one foot in, means that you have to leave some things behind. Maybe it's some, some, some religious things that you've held on to. Maybe it's some hurts and pains. Maybe it's, it's some, some sin in your life. But I promise anything that you let go of to step foot in that current, God is going to meet you. Because he loves you and he's crazy about you. You've heard me say this before, but did you know that your picture is on his refrigerator? It is house in heaven. Let's take just a minute more. Let's just, let's just step into that current. And allow the Holy Spirit to just love on us for just a moment. Lord Jesus, I command a blessing over my tribe fam. 
God, I ask that you would protect their finances, protect their health, protect their relationship, protect their family. Lord, on this day of Pentecost, just fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can be bright lights in the midst of a dark night, a world that needs truth and love and answers, Lord. Here we are. Send us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. And everybody said... Amen. I love you guys so very much. I want you to have a great week. Remember, tough times don't last. Tough people do. You got this.